This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. We are in week 24 of our Ephesians series, and we are beginning the final chapter. So we have gone through chapters 1 all the way down through chapter 5. And so uh, if you, I'll say some things in the introduction, but if you want to turn there, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6 uh, this morning. I want to welcome our Keystone kids um, in here today. They are typically down the hall, but our second grade and up are with us today. Um, if you know anything about Ephesians chapter 6, I thought it would not be proper to preach Ephesians chapter 6 without our kids in here with us. And so it's all good today. We do that every fifth Sunday anyway, so it's not uncommon for our kids to be in here with us. And we have what we call family worship today, and so I'm glad that they uh, can be here. Uh, I want to thank our church family. We had a group of folks that served this past Thursday night. Um, we're able to serve at the Urban Ministries of Durham. And we're able to serve some of the homeless and hurting and the, the, the helpless in our area. Um, and so that was really neat. That's going to become a regular thing. And it'll probably be done through our connect groups. And so our couple connect group leaders will be getting more information. But I really appreciate those that did that. Several of our men went to a men's conference yesterday and just had a good time. We had a busy week this week. Um, but the Lord definitely uh, used, um, used this week in my life. And so thank you for all that were involved in there. Um, and that we have some in- announcements at the end that we'll give you about some opportunities for you to connect further um, at our church. If this is your first time today, uh, we're just so grateful that you're here and uh, thank you for worshiping with us. Ephesians chapter six is where we'll be. If you have your Bibles, you may already be there. If you have a, an app on your phone, um, that is wonderful as well. Uh, go to Ephesians chapter six on your phone if you have that. Um, and if you don't have a Bible with you and you don't have a phone with you, it's going to be right there. In fact, you've probably already read it. It's all good. Uh, we want to make it easy uh, for you to, to bring the Word of God in, to soak the Word of God in. And so Ephesians chapter 6 is where we'll be today. Verse 1 simply says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. By the way, this is Time Change Sunday. And so as we leave today, make sure you welcome those that come in at 1130. Uh, that think it's 1030. It's going to be cool. We didn't have anybody extra helping us set up today. I thought there might be. No, that, no, that would be late. Never mind. And in the fall, I was like, man, maybe we'll have somebody show up like an hour early and they can, we can like put them to work. But it is Time Change Sunday. Uh, how many of you are familiar with this passage, Ephesians chapter 6, the first few verses? How many of you are parents in the room? Raise your hand if you're parents in the room. How many of you have thrown out, you know, verse 1 to your kids? You know, that, that's like, it is the verse. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Why? For this is right. All right, uh, we're going we're gonna to get there. We're going to get there. By way of introduction, can I say this? I believe we can all agree, and I'm just speaking to our culture and our country, the Americanized culture, but I believe that we live currently in the most kid-centric culture that we've ever been a part of. 
And I, I am 36 years old. I'll turn 37 later on this year. I'm not an old person. No one in here is old, by the way. Um, just for anybody that's older than me. Uh, no one in here is old. But I can see the difference just in the 25 years that it's been since I was a grade schooler to what it is now that we have become a society and our families oftentimes revolve around kids. And when I was growing up and when many of you were growing up, the lives really revolved around the marriage of the father and the mother and the kids fell in line in that family. Um, nowadays, we have families that they will make decisions on where they attend church based upon if their kids like it. Not necessarily are they preaching the word or are they giving some inspirational speech. Not necessarily on, hey, are they sound in what they believe? Do they actually really believe the Bible or are they, no, it's, Hop in the car, and I say this, and we try to prepare for this, but hop in the car, and the first question is to the kids, hey, how'd you like it? And if the answer is, I loved it, all right, we'll see you next week. If the answer is, oh, man, like, oh, it was cool, but then it's like, okay, we're going to continue our search. Now, I'm not saying that you should not take care of your children. In fact, wait till verse 4, we're going to get there. But we live in a kid-centric Environment. We will make decisions. We will buy houses in certain districts because they are uh, zoned for certain schools for our kids. And we will do all of these things for our kids. And, and I'm not necessarily against those things. My wife and I have to make decisions all the time, constantly, for the benefit of our family as a whole. And that includes our children. I'm not against it. But we have to understand something, that oftentimes families now become controlled by the wants and the desires and the needs and the attitude and the words of a child or a teenager. And I believe Scripture teaches us a different order. I believe that Scripture teaches us a different way. I believe Scripture teaches us a way that may be difficult to implement in 2019, but it doesn't mean that that way is not biblical. How many of you understand it's becoming increasingly more difficult to live a biblical life in 2019? Anything that we believe that we stand up for, if it doesn't jive with culture, we are automatically labeled because we believe something that Christianity has believed for roughly 2,000 years. And the order of the family can be added to this list. Children, you're in here today and we haven't gotten to you yet, but just by way of introduction, let me just make it very plain and clear to every child and teenager in this room. You are not the most important person in your family. Newsflash. Newsflash. We love our family. We love to, one of the things we do, we like to go out to eat. I'm sure you're shocked. Uh, but uh, in case you didn't know, I like to eat. Uh, but we enjoy going out to eat. And one of the things I love doing as a, as a father is, hey, it's your turn, Kelsey, to pick. Wherever you say we're going to eat, that's where we'll, where we'll go. Now, they've not gotten old enough yet to understand that if I say that and they say, like, conky or something like that, then I'm out 100 bucks, you know? Uh, so it's usually like Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Little Avery right here, she has one restaurant. She's not asleep yet, so that's cool. Um, 
She has one restaurant she likes, Avery, right? What is it? Panda Express. We, there are, there's only one Panda Express in Durham. It happens to be on campus at Duke. You've got to pay to park to go to that thing. Um, and every now and so we'll drive to Apex to go take her to Panda Express. I enjoy doing those things for my children. I'm not at all in this sermon today advocating uh, ruling with an iron fist and making life all about you. Dads, we learned last week that we are unselfish the last couple of weeks. And I'm not advocating for fathers and mothers to become selfish. So don't get me wrong here. All I'm saying is that we live in a culture where we are, we are almost run by the children and the teenagers within a home. But God has something different for us. God has a biblical pattern here in this, in this uh, letter that Paul writes to the Ephesians. As you remember, the first three chapters were theological intense. They talked about uh, grace. We talked about the Holy Spirit. We talked about the seal of the Holy Spirit. Uh, beginning in chapter 4, we begin our practical application of those biblical truths. Chapters 4, 5, and now 6. So here's another practical way for us as Christians to live out the Christian life. In the greater context, we heard in the last chapter that God want, or Paul wanted to show the Ephesian church a picture of the gospel. A picture of Jesus Christ and the church and the church and Jesus Christ. And the first illustration that he used was last, the last two weeks we talked about. That was wives submitting to your husbands and husbands loving your wives as Christ loved the church. We talked about that for the last two Sundays. Here's another example of just the order. Here's another example of the gospel, of, of, of the order that God has of, of God uh, through Jesus Christ loving his church and his church responding back in submission. And that's what we're going to speak about and talk about and dive into today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, speak to us through your word. Help us to understand the big picture, grace, the gospel, a holy God loving sinful man, a holy God reaching down through the form of his son, Jesus Christ, and rescuing sinful man, and redeemed man's response to his creator God and his savior Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you'd help us as fathers and mothers, help the children and teenagers in this room to understand that this is another picture of that. And God, I pray that we would learn, we would be challenged today. Holy Spirit, you would empower us. We know that in our own flesh and in our own desires and our own strength, we will not be able to accomplish anything that we talk about today. God, we know that it will be by your spirit and through your spirit that we, are, that we are even able to come close to living as if you would have, as you would have us to live. God, speak to me, uh, speak to me, through me, and to the individuals in this room today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Number one, I want us to see, kind of as an introductory point, but number one, I want us to see God's divine order. God's divine order. Order And I've, I've mentioned it in the introduction, want to re-highlight it just so we understand. But we see that God is a God of order, just like science, just like creation that we believe in the beginning. God, it was God of order. Just like last week we had a breathing exercise together and we breathed in, we inhaled and we exhaled. And we talked about how that was just a supernatural power of God that we can just breathe and exist. The fact that we walked around, the fact that this week you got up and you took a shower, I hope, and you brush your, the kids are in here, uh, you brush your teeth, I hope, uh, if you're at that age yet, you put on some, maybe some deodorant, I hope, um, and we didn't think about it. God is a God of, of order. 
Today, I really hope you did this, but we live in America, and today I hope when you drove in, you drove on the right side of the road. Okay? Now, if, you're, if you travel internationally, or you, maybe you're from another country, uh, they may be like many other countries in this world, and they drive on the left side of the road. I'm, I've never driven in a foreign country. I've ridden around in a foreign country, and riding around in a foreign country will mess you up anyway. I can't imagine driving in one. Like, I would just be, no, it wouldn't be good. I'd be like in the middle, like riding right in the middle. But God is a God of order. We live in order. April 15th, your taxes are due. That's just a part of the order in which we live in our country. It just, it's a fact of life. If we didn't have rules, we would live in chaos. We would live in, in chaos. And the fact is this, families are not supposed to exist in chaos. Families are supposed to exist within order. And the biblical order that we learn in these first four verses is that mom and dad are to lead with biblical truth and that sons and daughters are to, are to follow in submissive obedience. That's the biblical order of the home. Parents, you are not to be run over by your children. Children, you are not to be run over by your parents. You are to lovingly submit and obey. And parents, you are to lovingly lead and guide and instruct. It is a beautiful picture and it works. But we have to understand God's divine order. We must understand that it represents something way bigger than just your family. It represents the relationship that God the Father, the Creator God, has with His people, the church. It is an illustration of God loving and the church submitting. Here we have it yet again. So we see God's divine order. But secondly, this morning, and getting down to it now, we'll look. We go right through the verses here. You're not hearing a topical message on this today. You're going to go right through God's word. Let's see the call to obedience. The call to obedience. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is Right, Colossians chapter 3, verse 20. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Proverbs chapter 1. My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. The Bible is perfectly clear. We don't have time for the 13, 14 other verses that just spell it out that we are to live, children, teenagers are to live in submission to their parental authority and every child and teenager that's under the sound of my voice this morning let me be as clear as the bible is you are to obey and submit to your mother and or your father because the bible tells you to do so period end of story no question period end of story and I know the favorite question that children have, especially once they get to a certain age, and I don't think it stops until they graduate and leave home. That question is why? Why? How many of you parents, you have a kid, or you've had a kid, and maybe they're grown now, but you've had a kid, and that favorite question, why, came out all the time. Raise your hand. Why? And you felt like you spent your your life as a parent 
trying to explain why. Let me pause real quick. Parents, we haven't got to you yet. It's not the worst question in the world. It's not. In fact, if we find ourselves continually on a pattern of not being able to answer the question why that our kid gives us, maybe we need to take a step back and figure out our parenting. We ain't got to you yet. We're coming to you, parents. But just let me pause right there. But the why, let me give you what the Bible says the whys are that children are to obey their parents. Why? It says it at the, at the end of verse 1, it says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. That's fairly simple. That's fairly straightforward. I know it's not the answer that most rebellious kids and teenagers want to hear. Why do I need to obey you? Because it's the right thing to do. And by the way, we still believe that this book teaches that there is a right and that there is a wrong. We have not adapted the cultural norm of right is whatever you want it to be and your truth is your truth and your truth is your truth. No, we believe that the Bible teaches that there is a right way and there is a wrong way. And the right way for children to behave and act with their parents is to be in submissive obedience to their parents. Why? Because it's right. Because it's the right thing to do. And I hope that we have a room full of of teenagers and young people in this room today that if they are given the decision to choose right or to choose wrong, that they have a desire placed inside of them to do right. That's what I pray for my daughter. I don't pray crazy, over-the-top prayers over my daughters and for my daughters. No, I pray that when my daughters are faced with the choices in life to do right or to do wrong, that they choose to do right. It's as simple as that. You say, well, don't you pray like a specific prayer about this and that? Honestly, if my parents, if my parents, if my children, if my parents too, but if my children would just choose when faced with the, uh, with the choice, if they'll just choose what's right, everything else is going to take care of itself. And so teenagers in here today, young people, children in here today, let me just encourage you with this. Obey because it's right. And every time you have an opportunity to choose right or wrong, let me encourage you to choose right. Choose what is right. Choose what's right. It's very simple. Why? Why should we obey our parents? Because it's right. But secondly, because there are motivating promises. And I use that word very loosely here. There are motivating promises. Look at verse 2, honor your, I'm sorry, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. We're going to go back to what honoring means, but foundationally here, there are some motivating benefits. Now, let me pause and say, the, probably the most obedient young person that I know of, that I've ever met in my life, the most obedient child who became an adult that I know of, went on the mission field and died trying to help his neighbor, fell off a second story of a house, hit his head, and is no longer with us. He's probably the most obedient child that I ever met. And in his 20s, he went to be with the Lord. So let me, let me just caveat that. I also know some mean, disrespectful, old, old terrible people in their 80s that are still going strong, smoking three packs a day, 
you know, eating whatever they want to eat and, and drinking a case of beer every day. And don't even care. And they're like in their 80s and they're still puffing strong, man. They're, doing, they're, they're going good. Okay? So this is not, like, like many things in the Bible, this is not, please don't take this the wrong way. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I hope you understand. This is not like an absolute. Okay? Kind of like the book of Proverbs. It's not an absolute. A proverb is what? A wise saying. It's a general truth. Here's one of those. There are motivating promises, blessing and a long life. Not guaranteed promises, but these are general blessings and benefits. Paul is saying there are legitimate risks to disobeying and that there are legitimate benefits to obeying. And, I, and, and my, my, my grandma, bless her heart, she buried three husbands before she passed away. They all passed away. She buried three husbands. After the second one, the third guy started dating her. She was in like her 70s. I'm like, bro, you know what happened to the other two, right? Like, are you sure you want in on this? Are you sure? My grandma, though, her second husband, uh, my real grandfather passed away with cancer before I was ever born. So the only grandpa that I knew, his name was Papa Willie. Not like a wheelie, but a Willie. Pop. Everybody else called him Pop. So we called him Pop. Pop lived to be 86 years old. He, uh, he owned his own barbecue restaurant. It was only open on Saturdays. He had a nice old truck. Man, it was just everything you could think of. He was a good man. He was a good man. And I remember my dad, who was his pastor for a few years, he said, hey, Pop, he's like, what do you think, what attributes to you just being, you know, you're in your 80s, you're still running a business, like you're in your 80s, you're still going strong, you're still witnessing to people, you read your Bible every day, you're still, you're still fully connected he said, what do you think it is? And Pop said, oh, simple. I minded my parents. I minded my parents. And I remember as a little kid hearing that going, well, I'm doing a bad job of that right now. Number one, <laughs> I'm out of here in my 30s. Um, but I, what a challenge. Hey, 80, 86-year-old man, still going strong. God's still using him. Hey, what, what do you think it was? I minded my parents. And children not in this room, teenagers in this room, I'm, try, I'm not trying to oversimplify things. I'm not trying to give you a pie in the sky here. I am telling you that God, God will bring blessing to those who obey. And I'm telling you that God will bring difficulty and sometimes destruction to those who disobey. So it's simple as this. And I'm keeping it very simple this morning for our young people. Mom and or dad tells you to do it. You do it. You obey. It's mind-blowing. Hey, listen, if you do what they tell you to do and it doesn't work out, it ain't your fault and it ain't your problem. It's their problem. They're supposed to lead. You're about to hear about it in a second. And the kids can start amen and hear it in about five or ten minutes because we're getting to your parents. But kids, when your mom or your dad tell you to do something, you obey. Right away. End of story. End of story. It's simple. The call to obedience for children. And let me say this, when you fail to obey, and mom and dad listen in on this because maybe you need to reinforce this. When you fail to obey as a young person that is, that's still living under the roof of your parents, when you fail to obey, you are living in sin. It is a sin. We don't like to talk about that with our children. We are living in sin. The same sin that, that we talk about other people. About the same sin that we hate in the lives of maybe some friends, where sin has wrecked and ruined their lives. That same 
sin. It's simple. Obey. 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 Submissive obedience. But you know what? Paul doesn't stop there. He says children obey, but children, and this is a shorter point this morning. It also, there's a call to honor. The call to honor. Verse 2 simply says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. The step after obedience, the step further than obedience is honor. And how many of you understand New Testament biblical Christianity? New Testament biblical Christianity, as introduced in the Sermon on the Mount, was you have heard that it's wrong to commit adultery. That is the letter of the law. And this is children obey your parents. You have heard that you are to obey your parents. Jesus said, but I say if you commit adultery in your heart, that you have already committed adultery. In your mind, in your heart, you've already committed it. Okay? New Testament, it's more. I know we, we love to look at the Old Testament, like, oh, look at all these rules. Jesus actually calls us to a higher standard. So we are to obey, oh, also to honor. It's a step past obedience even. It is a step further than obedience, and it is to honor. And what does that word mean? The word honor simply means to value at a price. To reverence, to value at a price, or to reverence. Children, your parents represent Jesus in your life. They represent God in your life. And you are to honor them. You are to value them. You are to reverence them. You are to respect them. There are many words that we could use that are synonymous with this word honor. They should be way more valuable and important to you than the friends that you make at school. The older you get, the less you talk to mom and dad, and the more you talk to your friends. The older you get, the less communication you have after school with your mom and your dad, and the more communication you have through all the different mediums that you you have to communicate with your friends. And let me say this, you should value and honor your parents above any other relationship outside the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. You ought to honor your, your parents. Your parents should be way more important to you than your favorite show on Netflix. Your parents should be way more important to you than some game you play uh, online with your friends. Your parents should be way more important to you than whatever you're watching on YouTube for kids, or maybe you shouldn't be watching it because of that crazy thing. I don't even know what's going on, but um, Momo or whatever her name is. Um, Quick story. Y'all seen that Momo thing? Raise your hand. You seen that? Raise your hand. Come on. All right. Have you seen it? So we come from Baltimore for four years. We live there. Baltimore's crazy. There's a city that is connected in Baltimore called Dundalk. And Dundalk, anybody from around that area? All right, good. I'm just making sure because um, I'm about to bust on it. So I saw something that came across and it said, I showed, I live in Dundalk and I showed my kid a picture of that Momo character. And my kid said, Oh, that looks like Miss Shirley that lives two, street, two houses down from us across the street over there. So anyway, Dundalk's kind of known for that a little bit. But anyway, whatever show you watch on, whatever device you watch it on, through whatever platform you watch it on, through whatever game you play, game system, whatever it is, your parents should be honored above. You say, Josh, like you're talking very elementary. It's because I'm talking to young kids. 
And here's the thing, whether we want to admit it or not, our young people and our children are choosing a lot of really unimportant things over their families and over their parents this morning. And we ought to honor young people. You ought to honor your parents. And by the way, those of us that are adults that still have living parents, this still applies. You ought to honor. Those of you in here that are adults that you no longer have your living parents, I think you'd amen that. Hey, while your parents are still around, honor. Honor them. Show them value and show them worth because there will come a day when you won't be able to. Honor your parents. They should be the most important person or people in your life other than the Lord Jesus Christ. So I ask you, young person, teenager, what is a way that you can show honor? And don't answer this. I did learn something when I was teaching kids. When you ask a question, they will answer. Uh, You don't have to answer this out loud. Think in your head, how can you honor your parents? How can you show them that you value them? How can you go out of your way to reverence your parents? We have a call to obedience and we have a call to honor. But fourthly this morning... We have the call to biblical parenting. We have the call to biblical parenting. I'll be very transparent with you. I considered preaching verses 1 through 3 this week and just saving verse 4 by itself for next week. I want every child in here to understand that what, I just, what we just said for the last 15 minutes about obeying and honoring your parents is an absolute truth. It is absolutely... Uh, it, it is extremely important in your life. In fact, it's probably the most important thing in your life outside of your relationship with with Jesus. But we're now going to shift to parents. And parents, it's all good. Your kids are in here. But it's all good. The Bible's about to speak to you. Verse 4 says this, and you fathers, by the way, that literally is the most broad term that they could use is fathers and mothers. We talked last week that, especially in our society, there are many mothers that are performing the role of father and mother. And there are some fathers that are performing the role of both father and mother. We have to understand that. So this is a general statement to parents. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Moms and dads, lift up your head this morning. I know I got my mic real close right there. Lift up your head this morning. You have been divinely authorized by God to lead and direct and guide and govern over your children. You have been given power and authority to do that this morning. It is not something, it's not a suggestion from God. It is a command, it is authoritative power that has been given to you as a representative of God himself into your family. This is not a passive act. Training and leading and guiding your children is not going to happen by accident. It's not going to happen by just showing up. It's not going to happen by just being physically present with your family and your children. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen by being emotionally invested and spiritually invested in your families and not just being there uh, on the couch uh, reading a book, but it's going to be at the ball games. It's going to be at school. It's going to be taking them uh, around to different places. It's going to be spending quality time with them. Biblical parents do not sit back in passivity while their children are actively being pursued by evil. I'll repeat that so, you, so that comes so that gets there. Biblical parents do not sit back in passivity while their children are actively being pursued by evil. Your children are actively being pursued by evil. 
by the roaring lion that walks about seeking who he may devour, the devil himself. The devil wants your children to not follow your faith. I can't be any, plain, any more plain or simple. The devil wants your family. The devil wants your children. We are to bring our children up. We are to raise them up. We are to, we are to lead them. We are to guide them. We are to direct them as parents. And that's not a passive act this morning. And maybe we could stop right there, and I'm not going to, but maybe we could stop right there and just end it on passive parenting. We need, we need to reject passive parenting and embrace passionate parenting. We need to reject passivity and embrace the role that God has given to us as parents. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Once again, there's a proverb, but generally speaking, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child. Training, leaving, leading, loving, guiding. Training involves both, both positive affirmation as well as loving discipline. In fact, the words training and admonition have both a positive and a negative side to them. Okay? If I am going to train, in, let's just say in, in a sport... If I'm going to coach a sport, if I'm going to coach basketball, and I'm going to train my players to play the proper way, there are going to be some times where the coach is, hey, man, Josiah, man, awesome. Man, I can't believe, man, you stopped that. You got that rebound. You boxed that guy out. Man, that's great. Awesome. There's going to be some other times as a coach in training where I'm going to be like, Josiah, what were you thinking, man? We said to move and rotate on that side when the ball's over there and you're over there looking at your girlfriend and you're over there checking out the cheerleaders. Like, what are you doing? There's going to be positive and there's going to be negative. When we train, I, I, I use this, I tread lightly on this because I, I'm, I'm not even trying to be funny, but as you, if you were to train a potty train a animal, if you were to train a horse, uh, shoot, if you're potty training a, a child, uh, there's going to be positive and negative enforcement and reinforcement of what you're trying to get across. So these two words, training and admonition, have both a positive and a negative side. I don't want you to leave here today saying, man, Josh got up there and talked about me. I need to be more disciplined with my kids. And so we get home and like, go to your room. Like, we're going to have a talk. No, training is the whole training and education of children. This relates to the cultivation of mind and morals. And it employs for this purpose now commands and admonitions. We are to cultivate the mind and the morals of our children. And now by doing that, in order to do that, we must command them. We must admonish them. That word admonish means to put something in someone's mind. To put something in someone's mind. To admonish and to train. That's what it means. These are what we as parents are supposed to do. This is our God-given responsibility. Simply put, the child's responsibility is to obey and the parent's responsibility is to teach them to obey. Well, I'm just going to let my kid have the choice about this or that. She's seven. Well, I'm just going to let them experience it. 
I get it. There comes a time when you begin to loosen that. We, we allow our daughters to make decisions within the realm of our authority to help train them for the future. If you don't mind me giving a personal illustration, Kelsey. I was a pastor's kid. I know how it goes. I love you. This was, this was fine. We had a situation about two months ago. And my wife, it was my fault. I didn't communicate to my wife. But we had our calendar cleared for an evening. I forgot to put in there that we were going out for my mother's birthday. Uh, I didn't put it in there. My fault. So my daughter gets invited over to a friend's house for a party. We've never let her go over to this person's house yet. We, we're we're kind of, you know, we're kind of shy on that stuff. But we're like, oh, yeah, be fine. Sarah kind of talked her through it. Well, we figure out that there's a conflict. Now, I know what you're thinking. If you were me, you're like families first. It don't matter what you think. But you know what? I try to take a step back real quick as a father. She had been told that she could go to her friend's house by her mom. I've told my mom that we're coming for for birthday. So what we did is I sat down with Kelsey and I said, listen, we're going to talk about this. And we're going to talk about a decision that we're going to allow you to make. It was kind of tough. And I won't even tell you which way she decided because I don't want you to think good or bad. But at the end of the day, she decided one way or the other. And we were very wise, I believe, in communicating to the other person about what happened. And the way that we communicated was, hey, listen, dad was really wrong right here. I want to explain to you how I didn't communicate properly with my family. So then I put my 10-year-old daughter in a tough situation. So we allowed her to make a decision. I didn't care one way or the other, but she made one or the other decision. And we walked through it. To me, what, I just, what we just did was, I believe, we just biblically trained and admonished our daughter that sometimes you're going to have to make decisions between two good things. A good thing over here and a good thing over here. Hey, going over to your friend's house and hanging out, good thing. Going to, to Nana's birthday, good thing. And sometimes we're going to have to make decisions between good and good. And those are tough. But that involves training. That involves admonition. Honestly, can I be straight with you? And I'm not, using, I'm not trying to set us up on a pedestal. That took time and patience and energy. You know what the easy thing for me to do was? Oh, sorry, you ain't going to your friend's house. Family's first. Text her and tell her we ain't coming. No, instead it turned into a 30-minute conversation. Instead it turned into a moment where I had to sit down and we had to talk about it. And we had to make some decision. And, and when she made her decision, I said, before we, I want you to think about it. You made your decision. I want you to come back and confirm that you still, that's what decision you want to make. It took some time. And proper parenting takes time. Hey, proper parenting says that, hey, listen, I know that we're busy and we got all this stuff going on, but we're going to stop for just a minute and we're, gonna, we're going to train and we're going to admonish. We're going to do that. Proper parenting is not passive, it's passionate. And it's our responsibility. God has given you the green light, mom and dad. And that green light is to require obedience... And to lovingly train your daughter and or your son. It's as simple as that. But I don't enjoy disciplining. And I was, I'm not, I don't understand. I, I don't really enjoy disciplining my, ch- my child. That's fine. Proverbs 3.21 says, for whom the Lord loves, he corrects. He disciplines. Just as a father, the son, in whom he delights what's the old verse he that spares the rod 
hates his son. Listen, disciplining is a biblical command. Now, there are 500 different ways to do that. And that's not what this is about. But disciplining your children is a command of God. I don't enjoy it. Well, that's fine. The whom the Lord loves, he corrects. As the father, the son in whom he delights. But training up a child is, is hard work. Well, Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently. It's going to take hard work. You're going to teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Parents, parenting is a full-time job. And it requires patience, and it requires passion, and it requires everything else you can think of. But parenting is a gift from God. And it is a command of God. And we have been called to be the earthly trainer and admonisher for our children. To train our kids and our teenagers and even the young adults that still fall under our authority to reflect their creator God and his son Jesus Christ. And to exist to bring him honor and him glory for the rest of their days. That's what we're called to do as a parent. I close with this. I know you're thinking, I'm not perfect. You don't want to know one of the, um, one of the, I believe a dangerous statement that a lot of parents, and I've made it as well, make. Well, I remember how I was at that age, and so I'm not going to be too hard on my kids because my parents, they were hard on me, and I know I remember how I was at that age. And I, I understand the sentiment behind that. But what I fear is if, the previous generation held strong and we loosen up and then they loosen up and then they loosen up and then they loosen up where will we be hey maybe when your parents were hard on you adults maybe when your parents were hard on you, that's what you needed and you didn't like it because you were a little sinner and you were a little rebel but I, but I get it. I get it. That's when this word comes in that we need to employ in our own lives and we need to show in our parenting. That is the word grace. That is the word grace. Grace says this, I have flaws, you have flaws. Grace says you, son, daughter, you have flaws. Grace says that I, parent, I have flaws. There are going to be times when I make the wrong decision in the way that I discipline, in the way I train, and in the way I parent. And there are going to be times when you make mistakes and, and, and you sin as a child or you disobey. And we're going to have a common understanding here that as I discipline you, I will discipline you with grace. I will not discipline you with anger. I will discipline you with grace. Can I just give you a practical tip? Every now and then, when they deserve the hammer, they need a hug. Can I balance it? Well, sometimes if all you do is hug, every now and then, they need some hard-nosed 
loving discipline. You can do both with grace. You can do both with grace. Hey, listen, mom and dad, practice grace. Practice grace. That doesn't, you, you don't have to forfeit discipline to show grace. Those two things can exist together. It's all in the, oftentimes it's all in the way that you do it. It's all, sometimes it's even in just the way that you say it. The, one of the biggest dangers in parenting, I believe, is a lack of self-control. It's anger. Saying things that we shouldn't say. You know what, every now and then, you need to walk in your kid's room and go, hey, I'm really sorry for the way I, for the way I acted. Hey, listen, you don't understand what mom and dad are going through right now. Life's, life's difficult, and you know what? I took it out on you as my child, and I'm sorry. Will you, oh, will you forgive me? And you know what we, you know what's going to happen? Because things are caught, they're caught from the next generation. You know what you might see as a parent? You might see a kid come in your room a couple weeks later and go, hey, dad, I'm really sorry. I should not have reacted that way. Will you forgive me? And we'll be able to show the love of the Father. Parenting is muddy. Anyone who says they're good at it, they might not be. (laughs) You know what I like doing? I like finding people that struggle to parent their kids right and discipline their kids properly, but they're on a journey of grace. They take it seriously. They spend time with their children. I like to find those types of people. Oftentimes, a little further down the road than us. And I like to hang out with those people. I like to get around those people. Some of you don't know it, but I watch you. Not as your pastor. As as an aspiring good parent. Just being very honest with you. And I know this. I know that there are people that are younger than Sarah and myself who watch us. And so that's the church. That's the beauty of the family of God. It's the older training the younger, even when you don't know you're doing it. You know what? That's what we need as parents. That's what we need as parents. The gospel is displayed when a mom and dad loves their son and or daughter the way that God loves. And whom God loves, he will correct. He'll chasten. Children, teenagers, you are to respond in submission and obedience just like all the Christians in this room are to respond to their creator God and their savior Jesus Christ in submission and obedience. We have an opportunity in our homes to display the beauty of the gospel. The beauty of the gospel. You say, well, my kid's tough. I hear all these excuses. Well, well, she's just strong-willed. Okay, well, you know what? There's a bunch of strong-willed sinners in this world that Jesus came to die for and to save. Well, he's just being a boy. You know how boys are. Obedient? 
oh, well, she's just that way. You know, well, maybe she's that way because they see it at home in their parents. Listen, let's stop making excuses. Let's take the time. You know why? Because we represent the gospel. We represent grace. Parents, moms and dad, you represent Jesus to your children. Let's take it seriously. Let's take it seriously. Hey, relationships, we're moving. Next week is, we're going to talk about a different relationship. It's all good. We're going to talk about the, the way that we ought to, to, in our corporate lives, in our, in our work, how the gospel can, can be prevalent in that. But for this week, can we just take some introspection, some time for introspection? For those of you that aren't parents yet, can you commit in your heart that when, God, when and if God blesses me or us with a, a daughter or a son, that we will raise them in the nurture, training, and admonition of the Lord to the best of our abilities? Yeah, we're going to fail, but we're not going to give up. Yeah, we're going to make mistakes, but we're going to apologize. And the next morning, we're going to go back to parenting the best way we know how through the Holy Spirit's power. And then we're going to mess up again in parenting, and we're going to apologize again. And then we're going to go back to the drawing board, and we're, going to, we're not going to give up. Because we represent Jesus to our children. This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.church. Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.